1: Couple others here. I'm going to save for rapid fire. So Jesse, you ready for rapid fire?
2: No more QB talk. It's rapid
1: fire. <laughs> well, there'll be a little bit here of QB talk. First, though, from Fighting Irish fan ninety one. Sean, is it true? No Freeman access after practice. No cameras allowed tonight. That those are both true statements. We were originally supposed to get to interview Marcus Freeman on the field, and we were originally supposed to be able to uh, take pictures and video of the first five periods of practice as always, but we were told because they're going to a place that is not their home practice facility, we are not allowed to do that. I'm not exactly sure what one has to do with the other, but that's what we're told, and so that is how the rules
2: are the, rules.
1: Those are the rules. Chi-Town, what's your prediction for the 2024 starting quarterback? CJ Carr, Steve Jelly, Kenny Minchie, or a grad transfer? Um,
2: I see see Kenny Menchie as the starter uh, going into 2024, and I think CJ Carr just won't be um, quite along. That and, and, you know, today, like actually what really is kind of swaying this for me is just kind of talking through what we did today, just the opportunity and all of the reps and exposure that Kenny Menchie is going to get this season. Like he's going to get an entire year on CJ Carr, and there's nothing that CJ Carr can do – to make up for that, you know that that experience that he's gonna be getting. So I think it's gonna take CJ Carr a little bit of time. um but i would I would have to say it's it's gonna be Kenny Menchie, uh mm-hmm. if 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 I had to make a, a prediction on August eighth of two thousand and twenty
1: three interesting. I'm gonna go this is just as of now because you know again, my my opinion might change when we get to see these guys hopefully do some live stuff tonight when we go. To practice. But for right now, I'm going to say graduate transfer. That's I'm not, you know, again, that that can change. Hopefully, it does change because we've talked about it, Jesse. When you talk about the ascension that you want at quarterback, ultimately, if your program is in good shape, you want to be developing top young talent. And you know, you bring them in, and within a year or two, they're the starter. And You're going to have to deal with some transfers along the way of some good quarterbacks as well, because not everyone's going to get to start. And it's happened at other big programs, you know, Georgia being a prime example where, you know, Ohio state being another like guys are going to transfer if they're not playing, but if you're recruiting at a high enough level, and you're developing these guys, ultimately that's still going to be a good thing because you're just going to bring in the next one behind them. But for right now, I'm going to stick with graduate transfer, but ask me Thursday because my opinion, like I said, we could see something tonight that'll change my mind. You know, kind of tip it on that. Not that I'm going to go all in, probably based on one practice tonight, but I would you have still a way say graduate
2: feeling after at least yeah, years.
1: exactly, exactly. We get to see him live. Okay, so Rhode Island graduate transfer safety Antonio Carter says he's playing what the Irish call the. Aztec package, three safety sub package for the defense. Here's what he said about it. Quote, I get to do different things like blitz, cover, get in the post, play curl, flat, different things like that. That's perfect for me because I do see myself as versatile. It's a versatile position. You're in the box, but you get deep as well. You cover, you blitz. It's kind of like a rover, I guess you would say, more of an athletic rover. End quote. Again, that's Antonio Carter, the guy they brought in from Rhode Island. What do you think about it?
2: Mr. Defense. So I just think first and foremost, I don't know how I haven't said this before, but just like it's such a cool opportunity for Antonio Carter to be a guy from Rhode Island that gets to transfer <laughs> to Notre, to Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Like it's just like <laughs> and be this, a, the and stage talk. is like immediately way more drastic. So like first and first of all kudos to him cuz that's super cool. But um this Aztec position I, I this is something that's really intriguing to me because of the, the analogy that he made and it, the way he described it, it does sound like it's just a more athletic Rover. Um, but it's going to be in specific packages where you're getting an extra safety on the field. Um, so a lot of, you know, I, I would assume third and longs, maybe second and longs uh, with, with a third and long anticipated after it's second and long. But to me, the immediate thing I thought of when he started talking about this and the fit that it has is Caleb Williams, because uh, by the time you get to USC in the season, you want a guy who is athletic enough in the box to be a supporter in the run game, basically be a quarterback spy. Um, and he's got – if he can practice at this all season and play in the box, then he can show he's got the speed, he's got the tackling ability, and he's got the closeout ability to, to really just get in Caleb Williams' face so he can extend all of those plays like he did last year. And then if the play is breaking you know, downfield, then he can still get down into coverage as necessary. Um, so I think it's a, it's a tremendous role – um, and it, to me, again, it it shows the layers and depth to, to Al Golden's defense. And I think that's another thing that you're really going to start to see this year um, is that more kind of, you know, NFL style uh, approach of there's a lot of different sub packages of personnel, depending on, you know, what's given to you. And I feel like just it being Al Golden's second year, there's going to be a lot more comfortability um, among these players. And you're going you're going to be able to see um, these guys working on different combinations of players and sets. And I think that's something to be really excited about. Yeah.
1: And Andrew says, I just don't want them to get too cute. Sounds cool. But three safeties, I guess it's third. I guess it's third and long in the red zone. Don't forget. It wasn't that long ago when you had, um, Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman and Kyle Hamilton in that three safety package. Now, right. Hamilton was obviously a little bit of uniform unicorn because of his, you know, length and you know his skill set and all that kind of stuff. But safety was an asset on that team. They had depth at safety and they had three guys who could play, and they found a way to get them on the field together at the same time. And if they're looking at a package like this, I don't think it's just going to be a window dressing type package. You just Gave the perfect example right there, Caleb Williams. When you're defending him and you need an extra defensive back on the field, you're also going to have one of the more experienced safeties in in Antonio Carter as well. Now, now not experienced necessarily at safety, but you know, like Chris O'Leary has talked about how this guy can lay some wood on you. Xavier Watts can lay some wood on you. Thomas Harper, I would have to imagine will probably be on the field in those situations as well. There's another ton of experience that you're going to have. So you're putting potentially, you know, you're putting a lot of experience out there on the field. And I think they're only going to do it if they think that it is something that is going to benefit them. And uh, I, I, I love, I love the idea of it, you know, getting, getting those kind of guys all out there on the field at the same time. And like Caleb Williams makes sense, you know, whether it's, Ohio State and their passing offense. I think there's a lot of things potentially. I think I just think it makes you more versatile when you have that kind of package. It's not like they're going to, you know, go out there and probably run it eighty or eighty-five percent of the time. It's a sub package, and uh, yeah, I, but it's I'm, ready I'm when needed. See exactly, 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 and you use it because they obviously think that it is a potential position of strength. With you know, when, when you're able to put three safeties like that on the right. field. Notre Dame will not host the Miami Hurricanes next season as originally scheduled because the Hurricanes scheduled too many non-conference opponents for next season. So this leaves Notre Dame with home games against Northern Illinois, Miami, Ohio, Louisville, Stanford, Florida State, and Virginia. The Irish and Hurricanes are still going to play in 2025 in Miami, and then the Hurricanes will come here in 2026 instead of, next season but for now there's a hole in next year's schedule so what do you make of this whole mess
2: i think that this mess has created a snooze fest in terms of uh this this hole in their schedule and and then the potential of you know what the remaining five opponents are at home that season as of now northern illinois yawn miami of ohio (laughs) yawn uh louisville everyone's so high on them this year but i mean we'll have to see that's like a half yawn um stanford is would be a full yawn if it's not you know it's just the th- there's still meaning behind it like you it's a meaningful game to alumni and fans because of the rivalry and how long you've played them for so long like even if you don't like it you know whatever it is it's stanford uh florida state i think is the most exciting home game on that schedule um and then you know there's potential that uh of virginia maybe being somewhat good but i just think that and not to say that miami was like this big you know great opponent on the home schedule, but it takes away a, a really well, good opponent and a, in a rivalry that has existed in the past. So I, I just think it, it really, really um, shortens the amount of good games at, at home that year drastically. Yeah.
1: And when you don't have USC coming in, in a given year and you've got Stanford instead, who we'll talk about in a second, but nobody wants right now And Florida state is your most marquee game. Miami would have been your second most marquee game. This just like, I don't know how this happens. Like, yeah, that's do just, the, it's does the like administration at Miami, like, do they pay attention to anything? They're not paying attention to what the boosters and donors are doing. They're just letting them illegally give out money everywhere. And, like, how, you know, an administrator has to sign off on these things when these games are scheduled, you know, whether it's the top or the middle or, or you know, whatever, it, somebody has to sign off on it. Is it possible to fill this spot that late is what Tim is saying? that's a good question it feels like this is something the ACC needs to step in and say look Miami you're scheduled to play Notre Dame we've got a contract with Notre Dame you know every team in our conference is subject to that comp you know to that contract and you are supposed to be there next year so you know like Florida A M you know I know you know going to Miami is a big deal to them and they're going to get a big paycheck for doing it it just feels like someone needs to step in and cut an extra big check and say Florida A&M, you're going to get this money, even though we're not going to play you next year, but we'll see you, you know, in a year or two or whatever. It shouldn't be on Notre Dame to have to go out and, you know, look around and find somebody else to fill a hole in its schedule because Miami administrators can't do their job.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking about when I first read this too, is like, how is Miami not kind of handcuffed to, you know the fact that they have to play Notre Dame, like you schedule them first, it is your own fault. And it, it should be, in my opinion, that Notre Dame stays on the schedule and they have to go back to whoever and say, Hey, like we messed up. Um, we can no longer pay you and we yeah. now have to suffer the financial consequences of who that might be. But I think the more interesting question would be if, if it doesn't pan out and there's still this hole in the schedule, what direction would you want to see them go towards? Like a Big Ten opponent, an SEC opponent, sub in another ACC opponent? Like is there is there too much of dreaming compared to like what, what the realistic options might be? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's too
1: early to even know. And like Derek or someone was saying, I thought – yeah, Derek was saying, I thought Louisville is who the ACC subbed in. That's I, – I hadn't heard – you know, I'm just looking at the reports that are out there and I had not – seen that. But so I don't know, maybe that is, maybe that is the case So maybe it's taken care of and, and, and that's fine. But then, you know, that just means that someone else, is, well, I guess my point is Notre Dame should not have to be responsible for filling that hole. It should be up to the conference in Miami to get it all figured out. So hopefully that is the case. I don't know. But like, like Chi-Town was saying, put army <laughs> in there. And it's like Chi-Town really loves, you know, those, those, those service, academies like just just
2: like fill the whole schedule with service academies i'm not quite as high on that as shy town is though yeah they look good but they're not exciting games ultimately in my opinion yeah
1: all right so the acc speaking of them they're considering adding pac-12 leftovers stanford and cal um in the meantime and that is still being discussed right now but si's pat 40 has an interesting proposal himself he said on the college football inquire podcast that one possible way forward that he sees for stanford after being left hanging is for the football team to go independent and for all of their sports to try to schedule notre dame as much as possible do you buy or sell that
2: um so this is like an ongoing debate that i've seen the last couple of days of you know like what is going to happen? I think this falls under the umbrella of what's going to happen to the rest of the teams outside of, you know, the the big market of why these conferences are shifting and that's football. And we kind of touched on a little bit last week of like, you know, what about the baseball and softballs of the world that have to travel all the way across the country now, you know, throughout the day and then get back and be expected to go to class. And so it's like, does it make sense just for, you know, football to, in in this case, Stanford to really ultimately do its own thing and then allow the rest of the sports programs to ultimately decide what's going to be best for their student athletes. I don't know how Notre Dame necessarily fits into that because it's still all the way out in California, right? Like it's still a, a pretty big hike between Stanford and Notre Dame. So I don't see that that necessarily actually helps the rest of Stanford athletics. Like, I, guess I mean, obviously, because- you're not going to
1: play. You know, like baseball is not going to play three series a season. I, I think he's just saying to help sort of raise, you know, the profile and and stuff like that. I think that ultimately, you know, like when BYU football went independent, all their other sports were still in a conference, just like with Notre Dame and Stanford would have to figure that out, whether it's the Mountain West or whatever it happens to be. They're they're. Uh, you know, unless they end up in the ACC, and again, that is still out there. And the thing with Cal is out there as well. I just, I don't see what you know. One, the question Tim has: Could Stanford survive as an independent? I, I just, I don't see it. Like BYU couldn't survive as an independent, and BYU, even though they weren't as successful as Stanford in the same time period when BYU was making a go of it as an independent, they still have a bigger profile and Stanford just doesn't have a big enough profile. That's why they're in the situation that they're in right now. That's why they're the unwanted part of this whole thing. You, You know, you've seen when Notre Dame goes out there to Stanford, even in their good seasons, they're not always sold out and they don't even have that big a stadium. So I just, I don't think that Stanford could, could make it as a football independent, they're not going to have a TV contract. They would have a heck of a time trying to make that happen. I just, I, 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 don't see it, you know, as to the Notre Dame aspect of it again, it's like, I, I get kind of what he's saying, but because you're talking about West coast and the middle of the country, that's like, if, if why should Notre Dame have to kind of pick up the slack for Stanford and, you know, have to be involved in, in all that, Extensive travel when they're already traveling to all these, you know, somewhat, you know, farther away spots in the ACC. You know, the Florida schools and and such. So I just I don't see it happening. And the biggest reason is I don't think Stanford can cut it as an independent. You know, and like when you look at the whole Stanford Cal ACC. You know, I've been sitting back and looking at this whole thing, like. The biggest benefit, because you know, one of the concerns, obviously, of Florida State and Clemson and these schools that are talking about leaving the ACC is they're not getting enough money. Well, if you add Cal and Stanford, all you're doing is adding another mouth to feed. You know, like that's I,
2: you're just adding a bigger divider.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just a, a another divisive point, point and the fact that you know, then you're you're adding in all this travel and everything else. The biggest benefit that I could see is like. When you go into a new cable market, you know, TV market, cable market, ACC has the ACC network. Like the biggest benefit to the Big Ten in getting Rutgers and Maryland is the fact that in New York and New Jersey and Maryland, all those cable companies that were there, all the subscribers had to start paying, uh, you know, an extra fee because the Big Ten network. Was added, and the Big Ten Network gets that revenue. It would be the same for the ACC Network. Like if they could add, you know, San Jose, San Francisco, that whole area out there, they'd get a little bit more cable revenue, I think, because the ACC Network would be added. But I don't know if that's going to be enough, you know, again, to to make the rest of the schools happy that you're uh, that you're adding a couple of schools potentially, and you're adding travel to the mix to get out there. Okay, so on that same subject, Muffet McGraw, here's a tweet from her in the wake of all the conference reshuffling. Time to stop whining about where college football is headed and figure out how to save the rest of college sports. Let football break with the NCAA and form their own league and let college basketball and Olympic sports continue the conference model. There has to be another way to preserve all that's good in college athletics and give our student athletes the experience they deserve. So do you buy the idea of basically, you know, all this stuff is TV driven and it's TV driven because of football. Do you buy or sell the idea? Football is its own thing. And all of the other sports basically need to stay in regional conferences to, you know, to, to, to cut down on all the travel that is coming for all these different lower revenue programs.
2: Yeah, I actually think this is a big buy for me. Um, and it wouldn't have been a buy for me, obviously, like a year ago. Um, but it is very clear that football wants to be, you know, basically wants to run the show um, and, and really just generate. It's all about, you know, the, the revenue that's being generated. Um, and so if that's what they want to do, I I like I, I don't think that it's a good idea to be forming these basically four mega conferences um, because I do like the structure of it and I do like, you know, conference champions and et cetera. And I like the way that it's formatted and I think it gets it, it, it dwindles down to getting, you know, the best teams playing the best teams. Um, but I, I think that the Olympic sports and the smaller sports do need some sort of structure or it's just they're, it, it's going to fall apart and it's not going to be quite um, the same anymore. So and it doesn't like like you said, it doesn't make sense. these programs and these student athletes to constantly having to be traveling across the country while still trying to go to class and stuff like you know a lot of people are going to say okay yeah that's what they signed up for but they didn't sign up to be traveling you know across the country um and and getting back at four in the morning and still having to go to class or you know whatever it might be and i saw a good point the other day too like a lot of these recruits you know pick where they want to go Regionally, because it's close to home regionally, and their parents can travel mm-hmm. regionally, regionally. And now it's like, well, now you're expecting, you know, these 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 were California kids who to, went to
1: USC and UCLA. They're not going to be able to go to many road games now.
2: Right, exactly. So it it just, I think it has a much more impact than what football and in you know these big conferences realize. But they're at the end of the day, they don't. It's clear they don't care about that. They're not concerned about that. And so if that's the very, very obvious message then I think these, you know, some of these not smaller tier or lower tier sports, but in terms of revenue. Yeah, these these kind of second tier sports have to kind of survive on their own and figure out a model that best works for them and the student athlete.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Couple of good points here. Andrew Muffet's salary at Notre Dame. Muffet's big salary at Notre Dame is thanks to football. She should remember that. That's. It's a fair point, Andrew, but remember Notre Dame is independent when it comes to football. So <laughs> it's kind of an apples to oranges situation because Notre Dame is not bound by, you know, these uh, the, these conference alignments like we're talking about because Notre Dame, what, wants to stay independent. So it's, it's the same but different, but really it's, you would still, you know, obviously if, if Oregon, for example, is getting... Big 10 TV revenue, they'd still get their Big 10 TV revenue, but you could also have, you know, the rest of the, the sports stay in their own region, save money by doing so. And then there's still, you know, Chi-Town the other, you know, like I said, a couple of good points. He says, I don't disagree with the premise, but not sure how logistics would pan out by unrolling the TV contracts. Because I think the TV contracts is for all sports, not just football. It is for all sports. But basically, that's what you would have to do. You need to separate it. And remember, football is the only, like, FBS football specifically, Division One, you know, 1A, whatever you want to call it, you know, the FBS and then the FCS. The FCS and all divisions below and all the other sports have NCAA-sponsored championships, FBS football, Power Five football, you know the big boy football, whatever you want to call it, they their championship is not sponsored by the NCAA, so it's it's already separate in that matter, you know. So it's they're already fairly close to doing it, and like Muffet is saying that the NCAA needs to step in. It's there is so much entanglement because of the fact that you have a body like the NCAA that wants to say that they have oversight, they don't really have oversight, they're just enforcing, you know, whatever rules they randomly select to enforce, but when it comes to stuff like this, it really is up to the conferences, but it just, I think everyone can see it, but every, you know, like the people at the schools are blinded by the dollar signs, everyone can see that it is not good for the, you know, for, for the athletes, and, you know, by the way, with, with the conferences doing all this, like I've, I've always hesitated to use the term student athlete anyway, but they're, they're just showing that the, the, the student in this obviously doesn't matter because you're talking about more lost class time. One, when you're talking about coast to coast travel, you know, for schools like UCLA, USC, Rutgers, Oregon, you know, Washington, all these, you know, all this coast to coast, and even getting in and out of happy Valley in Penn state, it might not be coast to coast, but, that is a small airport in there and you know the the roads in there are small and not everybody charters and you're going to need a charter to get into Happy Valley you know especially if you're coming from the coast but it is not about the student part of things it is about the athlete part of things and it is just easier when you've got these conferences that are now spread out all over the country it's much easier to do it once a week on a Saturday for football than it is for these other sports that play Two to three times a week, you know, and and there are a lot more trips involved and obviously a lot longer trips that
2: are Yeah, involved. and mainly what you talked about. It's it includes weekdays. It's not, you know, just primarily the weekend. Like right. Not only does football get to play only, you know, once a week, but again, they get the advantage of playing primarily Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like that's all their where their travel is going to be, you know, potentially Thursday too, like Thursday through you know the end of the game saturday and you might be getting home early in the morning sunday but I like again the point is they have the weekend right and it, it's just this whole thing is a clear advantage to football and football only. And it's just it's just sad to see. Like I I'm I'm really curious to see what things are going to look like five years from now. Like what are we going to say looking back on this time five years from now because I think it's going to still look completely different.
1: Yeah. I concur. All right, well, we are winding down here. I'm going to throw this one at you. I just saw this this afternoon. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Colin Cowherd included the late Dwayne Haskins on his list of current quarterbacks who can't win a Super Bowl.
2: It's completely unacceptable, um, and it's really just it, it's, it's laziness on behalf of a lot of people. You know, it's laziness of whoever put the graphic together, um and, and not noticing Dwayne Haskins name on the list um it's it's lazy on behalf of Colin Cowherd to not review the work and then also while he's on the show have the ability um to 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 like mentally read that name and not say it out loud and you know honestly I'm not trying to make this into a funny moment or light of a bad situation but like it reminds me of anchorman where he reads the prompts and <laughs> whatever's on the screen whatever's right. on the screen and you know and, and that and that it, specific instance, you know, he tells San Diego to F off or whatever it is. And like, that's how it felt. It felt like an anchorman moment where it's just like, how did Colin Cowherd really let that go through? And how did his team um, really let that go through? And I do think he owes a public apology. Like it's not, it's not acceptable and it's insensitive to his, you know, his while there, I get it. It's a mistake. It's still insensitive to his teammates, his friends, his family, um, and everyone that's, you know, associated or, or, or basically anyone that Dwayne Haskin had an impact on is, is almost owed an apology, in my opinion. It's it's just and it's, tremendously lazy. It's unprofessional.
1: It's not even just Colin Cowherd. He's got a staff of people because like it goes watching, through so many
2: layers before right. it
1: gets on the TV. He's got producers like watching the video that people posted of this when he's talking about it. They put up an on-screen graphic that listed all these quarterbacks and Dwayne Haskins was listed on this graphic. It's not just that Colin Cowherd said it, it's that, you know, him, a combination of him and his producers put Dwayne Haskins on that list. And it's just another example of how you cannot take anything Colin Cowherd says seriously. <laughs> it is all just a show. Everything is for clicks and, you know, hits and and whatever else, it is just to say thing, you know, and now I guess you know, maybe, maybe to an extent it's mission accomplished because we're sitting here talking about it, and people are tweeting about it on social media as well. But he it is it is it is just a disgrace that someone who claims to know as much as he knows about football and sports could put someone's name like Dwayne Haskins on that list and say the name out loud and not even have it like,
2: oops, wait, hold it. Yeah. Nothing registered with him. That's what, what I'm so like. It's so shocking that nothing like he had to like, you know, when you're reading something, you like you, you read it and then you say it. And then before you read the next one, you read it. You know what I mean? Like he had to read it, say it and continue and still not realize through that whole process that he, that he made a mistake.
1: Yeah. I mean, Alex says it may be dark, but technically he's not wrong. I mean, technically that is right. Dwayne Haskins can't win a Super Bowl, but it was supposed to be a list of current quarterbacks who can't win a Super Bowl. So it's just just a disgrace. And, you know, I just saw recently that supposedly ESPN is, is in talks with him to maybe even bring him back to ESPN off FS1. So I, I just, it's a joke. He's a joke. His takes are jokes. It's just another sign that you can't take anything that he says seriously. And it's why, you know, so few times, you know, like th- there are other, there are other takes and, you know, people who will say things specific, especially to college football, who we will talk about their takes, but you're not going to hear me talk about Colin Cowherd's takes other than something like this, because <laughs> I, I think it shows what he really is and how ser- you know, how serious a person he really is. So that's why See? we brought it up today. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. We've got practice that I'm going to be heading to here in about an hour for you. That's right, King of the Long Nights. So uh, we will be doing that and uh, be back tomorrow, of course, and uh, Thursday as well. Don't forget, no more Friday evening show. We'll be doing Countdown to Kickoff starting here in a couple of weeks when the season starts, but uh, it'll be tomorrow and Thursday for our show, and then that'll be it for this week as we get a little bit i gotta get hibernated
2: for uh the season no friday shows i get a couple yep. fridays off by the I way gotta get hibernated for those
1: 18 days from game day 18 steve Angeli days from game day
2: <laughs> right now very nice all
1: right hit the like button subscribe rate and review and we'll talk to you tomorrow on ib nation sports talk